Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. Anyone here losing their minds today or maybe feeling like you're losing your mind? Either one of those can be quite challenging, but we're going to talk about our minds today. And there's there's plenty here on this topic that could make even the most mild-mannered among us kind of crabby. This is probably going to be hmm, two or three podcasts, I'm thinking, and I should probably at the same time give you the creepy stuff. Warning, self-care for your mind contains a lot, and you could probably do a lot, lot with this, but the main ones that I want to hit on are pace and load, you know, because your brain does not have unlimited capacity, identity, how you see yourself and therefore how you talk to yourself. That is the self-talk piece that I want to go into because I believe these are key drivers in the land of self-care of your mind. Many of us know already that a lot goes on in our minds. A lot begins in our minds. We use our minds to decide, to store memories, feelings, and even smells. That's kind of interesting. But in the biblical perspective, how the biblical writers used the word mind was it was a seed of understanding, of feeling, and desire. A lot begins in our brains, and our brains can invoke a negative perspective of situations and people. Go figure that. Remember, maybe some of you recall this, when we talked about input, output, what goes into your brain comes out. And this this works well for scripture memorization, you know, as we store Bible verses for the Holy Spirit to retrieve later, you know, at the most appropriate times. But brain science goes a lot, lot further today. And what I'm going to be using a bit as a resource, and if you feel led to troll through this, be my guest. This is a book called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains by Nicholas Carr. That is C-A-R-R. And so he has written this book, and I understand that this is the book to get. I can't remember what rabbit trail led me to this book, but I thought it was a fascinating title. And because you know the internet is doing something to our brains, and I got as far as page three. Page three, and I'm going to read the paragraph that sent me scurrying to when was this written? You know, And I'm going to try to do this in a way that I can actually read the book. And you're going to hear all kinds of sounds because I am in my, I'm calling it Cludio today, my my closet that's a studio here, the Cludio. So I'm going to read this short paragraph to you from the book. I get as far as page three and went, when was this written? 
Here's what he said. Our focus on a medium's content can blind us to these deep effects. He's talking about deep effects of, of what we're experiencing with the internet. We're too busy being dazzled or disturbed by the programming to notice what's going on inside our heads. In the end, we come to pretend that the technology itself doesn't matter. It's how we use it that matters, we tell ourselves. The implication, comforting in its hubris, is that we're in control. The technology is just a tool, inert until we pick it up and inert again once we set it aside. And I thought, well, this doesn't sound like my iPhone at all. When was this written? So it was written in 2010. Mind you, Facebook and iPhones came out in 2007. So the book then, you know, you have to give them time for research, writing, printing, proofreading, editing, all of this. So he must have written it, I'm guessing, pretty soon after 2007, 2008. That's just a guess about when he was probably looking into all of this. So the book's written in 2010. And I looked at a brand new afterword that he wrote, because it says it's updated, right? And that was dated 2020. And it's it's at the end of the book. And this was one time that I felt like I cheated, you know, and I read that first and, you know, the hair stood up on the back of my neck and all of this. So it's a great read. It really is. And Carr traces the evolution of technology, you know, and I never thought a clock was technology. I mean, I guess there was an era where we wanted to more precisely dissect the time using a clock as opposed to a sundial or watching where the shadows drop or some. So at some point, we wanted a serious dissection of our time. And so the clock, a tool was invented. Even a book is seen as technology. So he traces the evolution of technology, the evolution of tools that we use to solve a problem. I didn't think of a clock or a book. But I guess if you think about something that wasn't there before that comes into existence to help us along, okay, all right, fine. So I was reminded of this very fact that technology is a tool that helps us to provide a solution to a problem by a fellow online instructional designer when we were chatting about this book. And along the way, the tools we use become a part of us. I mean, if you don't think so, and here, you know, I have to date myself, which is never a fun thing for me to do, but I have to. Think about your first typing class <laughs> where you were literally thinking A, 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 S, 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 D, 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 F, F, F with your left hand, and how now you don't think at all about the letters, but you're thinking about the words in your hands just seem to fly over the keyboard. That is a way that the tools we use actually become part of us, which when we start thinking then of our iPhones and the internet, I mean, you can see where you're kind of like, hmm. So the author of the book actually began this research because he could tell that he was struggling to read a book. He was struggling to, as they say, attend and stay focused on the material in a book 
which makes me really glad that I finished seminary in 2005 because an inability to stay focused on material, especially heavy material, would have been just way less helpful to me in seminary. So you get my prayers if you are now in an educational process requiring that of you. Hey there, this is Margie here, your host of the Krabby Pastor podcast, and I want to urge you to stop surrendering your best self so that you can avoid the burnout that plagues so many ministry leaders. Uh, You don't want to become a Krabby Pastor, that's for sure. So what I've developed is a self-assessment journal style product called Radical Self-Care sustainability for your life and ministry. And what I'm going to do is have the link to it in the show notes so you can go there. It will be the best $29 that you could spend. You can spend then your time. Take time. That's something we don't do when we have big issues. You can take the time to explore how you view self-care and how you need to pursue it a little more. And I'm not about offering you a checklist, that's for sure. But I want to see how self-care can be knit into your heart and into your life so that you can go the distance that God has for you to go. The internet. Let's talk about the internet and what it does for us. You know, we're challenged to stay focused on one thing for a long period of time. And some of that is what the author calls the internet as a vehicle of distraction. And if you do any amount of internet reading, you can easily get hyperlinked to death and, you know, end up down the rabbit hole, as they say today, where you just follow one thing to another to another. You know, I will try to read through a whole thing. And then if there's a link, you know, like I want like the backstory to that, or to this or see this other article, I'll try to go back. But even hypertext reading by the way, is a type of reading where our ability to understand what we read, the content, and retain what we read are diminished, reduced, cut short, and limited. Some authors have called that brain drain, which that that didn't make me very happy for sure. So the author gets into brain science and the history of brain science. So if if something like that would be of great interest to you to slog through, and it actually is quite a good read, this book would definitely be something you'd like to do. In some ways, though, not in others, but in some ways, our brain is like the RAM in your computer, the active thinking center, just in some ways. Now, remember when you couldn't, this again is going to date me, but remember when you couldn't run too many computer programs at once or your computer would crash because you didn't have enough RAM, you didn't have enough active thinking space in your computer, Uh, So, or you had to upgrade your RAM so that the active thinking could expand and you could have several things going on at once. So there's something similar in our brains where there is an active thinking center. And then there is long-term storage where we store lots of stuff in our brains, just, you know, almost like our computers. You know, years ago, you couldn't have thousands of selfies on your hard drive, right? 
you had limitations, but today, you know, we most certainly can and with the aid of a cloud or two. But here's where I'm going in terms of self-care for our minds. I'm going right to pace and load with this episode. Two of my favorite descriptors for pieces of self-care. So recently, I was working in my glass shop, my glass workshop. And over time, I have discovered audiobooks. And then I discovered that if I wear earbuds, I can still grind glass and hear the book over the loud and noisy grinder. Ta-da, right? However, I also (laughs) discovered real recently that if I'm working intently, this is deep thinking, on fitting pieces of glass together just oh so, or creating a designed piece, and I'm listening to an audiobook that I can come away from a session an artistic creative session that I do for self-care, right? Feeling frustrated and just like I have not accomplished what I wanted to. And the self-care aspect here is important because creating is to be calming, but not like that. In that case, when I was trying to design, trying to fit your pieces of glass together, and I'm coming away aggravated, and I'm trying to listen to an audiobook at the same time, you know, because I want to multitask, I want to get stuff done. My calming was totally, totally undermined in that moment. Well, it wasn't a moment, it was actually several hours, which makes it even more annoying. And I could be even more crabby about that. So there is a limit to multitasking. Can you do just one thing at a time? That's our self-care moment. And Carr agrees that there's a limit to multitasking. That was how I saw myself in the pages of this book. Pace and load for your mind. There is a limit to how much your brain can do at once. There is no RAM upgrade for your brain. It just is. There is a limit to multitasking. If you're trying to think deeply about something and you're just really into it and something else comes to mind, your brain literally has to stop and reset to entertain item number two. Again, This was out of the car book, if I haven't cited him enough here. I'm just making sure this isn't all my thinking. Some of it is, but I got a lot of factual information from this book that was very valuable. I also noticed while I was in the glass workshop that I was not retaining the audiobook material and was having to rewind the book. 30 seconds back, 30 seconds back, 30 seconds back. What did he say? Because I was hearing snippets in and out and I was missing all the connecting pieces. So I had to go back and listen to it again. So I was doing basically neither thing well. And this, my friends, (laughs) explains a lot. It explains a lot. So for those serving in ministry, our general pace and load, especially when it comes to how much and how quickly we are asking our brain to do certain things, we have to remember that we are finite people. 
As scripture reminds us, we are finite people. There is a limit to how much we can do at once. And when we want to do something well, we need to only do that one thing. And guess what? We are present in the moment. Amazing. So we do need to understand this so that we can care for our minds so that we can attend, pay attention to the people and the situations God has prepared in advance for us to do. More on caring for your mind next time. Hey, thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>